This week on the GHG Show, we talk about games marketing, horse armor, and why you should tell your nan about crunch culture. Welcome to Glasshouse Games. Actually recorded back at Britley and we're still back in the studio. It is lovely to be here. I'm Samantha and today I'm joined by Astrid. Hello, I'm still in Bournemouth, unfortunately. <laughs> but you're here in spirit and that's the, yeah. that's the important thing. Um, but I'm joined here physically. I could feel your presence. Corporeally. I could feel your presence. By Alex P. <laughs> Hello. Um, if you've managed to find this video and you aren't already subscribed, please do think about hitting that cool little button beneath the video. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, do give us a like or a nice review on your application of choice. It really helps. Um, we appreciate it. Just do it for us. Do it for Astrid. Astrid's spirit in the room with me now. <laughs> please do it for the spirit, the, the spectre haunting Glasshouse Games. Um, That's me. Today... We're here to discuss um, how marketing is a highly adaptive monster that can absorb any criticism and turn it into a way to sell you games. <laughs> um, this Do is they a... really mean it? Did they really mean it? Ads. Do they mean it? Do they mean it? Do, like you? Oh, you? You don't believe that when Don Draper harvests <laughs> his um, family um, nostalgia for. To sell a photo <laughs> carousel, you don't believe that he means what he says. I'm sure, I mean, he's got what a else? lot of emotional weight in that little photo <laughs> carousel. You know, like, what other ulterior motives may, might they have? Um, what, what, could, what could what could be driving this? I think it begins with M. Is it uh, maybe like uh, oh, uh, um, uh, like monkeys? Milk. <laughs> it's 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 like milk. Um, you, you can the, use it to buy milk. Um, did you guys have the in a, in the US when I was a kid? Their milk was one of. I thought like you were the, about to say, didn't the US? Did you have? Money? Did you have milk? <laughs> <laughs> uh, milk was one of the biggest advertisers in the US. Like there was a huge. I feel probably like subsidized like oh, milk. This is the fucking got milk stuff, isn't it? Yeah, all that yeah. got milk, and they would get like celebrities, you know, drinking milk and have a milk mustache. The the got milk thing was like one of those brilliant like brand exercises of like sex sales well, it wasn't even brand because it was just like drink more milk it was like the milk industry regardless of but brand, you know i remember you know? recently like in the last few years around london i haven't seen it since the pandemic before that there was buses that would go around with big advertisements that just advertised oranges or bananas it was like <laughs> eat oranges eat you bananas. need vitamins <laughs> and that's it but but you say like oh it's just the thing in general but do all the like bodies that sell that fruit come together to be like hey we need to Get, oh, we need I'm to get sure, orange sales. I'm sure I mean, that there's I mean, yeah, some milk the states lobby. Have, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, like it, it, the states have like a pork board, which is a board uh, a board of directors meant to represent the interests. I believe of they call pork. that the White House. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's not milk. Got him. But, uh, I've been led to believe that it, it, it is a bit of a cash cow. <laughs> oh, oh, on fire here, Astrid. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> just just to confirm for our viewers and listeners, we don't genuinely believe that pigs and cows are the same animal. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Um, but the prompt for this was uh, none of these things. Um, we were prompted by the release of Ratchet and Clank, Rifts Apart, which Matt thinks is pretty good. We're still working away in reflections. We only have one PS5 between the whole team here, so it's slow going. Um, 
And we were inspired because around the game's launch, um, game designer at Insomniac, Grant Parker, announced on Twitter that I can, and he said, I can't speak for anyone on the team but myself, but I didn't crunch once. 40 hour weeks the whole time. It is possible to work on a great game without suffering. And this was backed up by animator Lindsay Thompson, who said, I didn't crunch once. Entire production. A couple of late nights here and there, finishing something up, but completely crunch free. It is possible. Team wellness lets the creativity, creativity flow flare flow free um which that sentence doesn't um (laughs) it's and i to to be clear like um i think this is obviously a good thing and i don't believe this was any sort of coordinated marketing stunt i think these team members genuinely just wanted to share their positive experiences but it did make me wonder if in response to criticism of stuff like the last of us part 2 red dead redemption 2 and cyberpunk and countless other games which were mired in controversy for the crunch their staff went through during the game's production made me wonder if publishers might try and put a no-crunch gold sticker on their games to try and leverage good treatment for better sales. What do we think? Oh. What do you think? <laughs> Give me those loaded guns. Oh, it's going to happen, isn't it? Of course it's going to happen. It's always going to fucking happen. The entire the entire video game marketing industry, and this is a bit of foreshadowing, so so get ready for that, uh, is built on taking criticism. I mean, the entire marketing industry uh, as a whole, like in, in one way or another, is all about sort of taking people's sort of negative opinions about certain things and selling the absence of those things back to them. Right? Yeah. It's um, I mean, this is I'm I'm gonna keep referencing Mad Men throughout this, um, <laughs> but it's like how you see all the sort of ways in which they have to get creative to advertise cigarettes because they have to get around. Oh, there's all these ill benefits. Mm. We can't we can't lie anymore and say that smoking's good for you. So it's... we need to get around <laughs> that. So they have to find all these other ways of like, yeah, but doesn't it just feel good? Isn't it just nice? I you watched know? 101 Dalmatians, the 1961 original and they're just smoking the entire film yeah it's just <laughs> it's like a, and that is an animated kids everywhere. film and there's like yeah ash they're just like when i think yeah. of that movie the <laughs> ash is what i think of because there was so, so much, much smoking in in ash, yeah. like uh it like wild. uh it's the it's the thing it's the thing that i and many many others will always say as a as a former smoker uh f- former smoker now that's cool seven months i just over oh, seven well months done. yeah uh, they are fucking delicious, though, aren't they? <laughs> fucking delicious, though. And that is now the marketing strategy for tobacco. Yeah, is bubble They gum. are fucking delicious, aren't they? <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> Here's the thing. I, like, there's always going to be marketing, right? Like, they... Companies, corporations have deduced, and I presumably it, it does. We hear all the studies all the time. Marketing works, right? Like, it works on, on selling your thing and or increasing your the value of your company or product or whatever so there's a like an uncomfortable acceptance that crotchety old people like myself just have to 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 accept that marketing and advertisements will always exist right like in any kind of product video games are not yeah are not um exempt from this uh and there's been marketing for video games since the beginning of them right and I don't, I think that it doesn't matter what the cultural zeitgeist is. There's nothing that's off the table for marketing, right? Like if 
if it, we were in some alternate universe where, like, uh, where crunch was a moral, was like the ethical standard that we worked for because it meant that we had an industrious society that, that uh, uh, was, you know, we had super productive humans that were always always willing to work and put their body and health on the line to they do a thing. Slap the they would slap that on the box. We crunched. <laughs> if video games were invented in the 1800s in industrial Britain, <laughs> then uh, then crunch would be a wonderful thing. A child thing, lost actually. his arm to get you Cyberpunk <laughs> yeah. 2077. So you that better be, appreciate that it. That would be like, in the marketing. Like They yeah. would make that the thing. It just so happens that there's been a like a a shift in not necessarily what people thought was right, but at least what they were... Uh, what we are aware of, like we're hearing more things about the the conditions of the video game uh, industry. I doubt that it's changed very much since its inception, but because there are much bigger companies and it's not just four or five people who are spending their own, you know, quote unquote, their own time to just make this passion project. It's now companies of hundreds or thousands of people mm. that all now have to have the assumed responsibility that, you know, people in 1992 did trying to get out whatever video game they're making yeah. in their basement and i think uh, that if it has changed at all then it's probably just it it changed in the sense that uh companies are trying to be a bit more covert about it because of how easy it is for this stuff to get out now um well, we, it's something we had, we, we've um, expressed concerns about this before haven't we Oh, plenty. Yeah, like I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, and we've mentioned before the People Make Games video where they talked about outsourcing, <laughs> where studios, maybe the studio itself doesn't crunch, but aspects of production are handed off to studio other studios outside the country where they do crunch. Gosh, um, that would be wild if, like, something... I mean, not... There's no evidence to say that Ratchet & Clank <laughs> has, like, has has done any I mean, of and, this, and to but be, And to be, be fair, to be very clear, these individuals <laughs> very specifically said they can only speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah, so I don't yeah. even think they're yeah. trying to pass it off as this thing because but, i guess yeah, the insidious thing is and i don't know i don't i don't know how uh, true this is to reality but i can imagine a scenario in which developers working on a game don't know that certain aspects of that game are being outsourced to uh oh, yeah, for studios sure. that crunch um, or but, other um, especially if you have teams that are if you have companies that are big enough you have different departments and different teams that might have a different department head the director of whatever you know this aspect of the game might be yeah. a, might be somebody who's really cracking the whip, as it were. I mean, fucking and, uh, QA testing, right? Like, like yeah. rampant in that segment of the industry. And it's of... in a lot of ways as, yeah, compartmentalized. Uh, but, but I was thinking about this, because game companies have started to do this, though, because we very infamously had CD Projekt Red um, prior to the game's launch way into production said, oh, yeah, we don't crunch. Um, we don't crunch in our game, and then obviously, in short order, it came out that no, they absolutely did, and their their employees were working obscene amount of hours mm. to get the game meeting its deadlines. And it's just a um, pattern followed by the likes of Rockstar, like like that. Loads of big studios are doing this. They will they will uh, say that they won't crunch this time, and then they will crunch, and then they yeah. will apologize. They, they will apologize for crunching and say they won't do the crunching next time, and the cycle continues. We promise. <laughs> but that makes me so. It does kind of make me wonder, though, about like their sort of lens on this, and 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 also how this ends up perceived by an audience. Because, um, is it like does it does it exacerbate things? Because like I think if you were a studio and it turned out you were crunching, that's like one thing. But if it turned out you had lied about the fact that you weren't crunching, that makes it less to me on the face of it. You know, my immediate emotional reaction is, oh, that's worse. 
you know, like just in this very visceral way, I'm just like, oh god, I can't believe. Not only did you do it, but you're lying about it. Like just this extra yeah. layer. But like imagine, at least, if, at least the... if you were like, oh yeah, we crunch. You're being barefaced about how much of a mm. cunt you are to your employees. <laughs> you know, like I think, I think that it a lot of that has to do with potentially even calculated goodwill value, right? Like if it, people don't know until after the game has released that there actually was crunch, mm. you haven't lost any goodwill until you've already had that. The whatever forty percent of the of the first week sales, because um, even taking CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk as an example, the, before that game was released, even with all of the delays, they were CD Projekt Red was still riding a high of I mean the, of the, the, infinite gamer goodwill. The you news know? that come, the news about their crunch had did come out prior to launch as well, like way prior to launch as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but it's I th- I think that there's there's a like a cycle of attention span because we have so much um well so if, more... you, can, if you can invest people like early enough it's yeah. like how much bad news can they weather <laughs> yeah. like you know if, if you announce the game and it's admired in controversy you're fucked but if you can get yeah if you can get a year in where people are super hyped the the like inertia of that will carry them through whatever bad news comes or even out. just like you know you miss I remember distinctly even uh, like on Reddit games or whatever, where just like new, new stuff gets posted, obviously every, well, every minute even, whatever. Yeah. And people miss news stories, right? Like there's millions of people on that forum, on that subreddit, but you're not, if you're not there every single day, every hour, you'll miss news stories. And I remember, you know, going into a thread, something like, it doesn't matter, but just any bad thread, about some about Rockstar, CD Projekt Red, and people being like, "Oh my God, I can't believe, I can't, I can't believe I'm just learning about this or whatever." Meanwhile, it's like this is the fourth or fifth time that it's been reported or whatever. But yeah. that's just one person. Most people don't have their nose to the ground even that much, where they're even hearing about this stuff. They're just yeah. hearing the stuff that is marketed, like CD Projekt Red, Rockstar. Well, don't um, market that they do crunch, but they'll market that they aren't crunching. <laughs> like yeah. that's the stuff that'll appear in. Um, in, and the marketing releases, because yeah. that's the thing that they, their audience is exposed to much more regularly. I mean, mm. P- Patricia Hernandez, who's now editor of Kotaku, talked um, recently about um, the fact that the the bulk of um, the audience, the the you know the, they're thinking you know they want to reach out to and try and prevent information for is people that don't go to game enthusiast websites like. You know, there's this huge amount of people that play games but just don't engage with that side of it. Um, and that's for a multitude of reasons. I think it's it's a complex sphere of, like, where information is and stuff. But but it doesn't change the fact that, yeah, like, if you're... If you put in your marketing materials, hey, we didn't crunch, that might be the only thing that they hear versus all the news reporting that's saying that they did crunch. And so, yeah, maybe that's enough. Like, as long as you say it once and your own company... Because, you you know, CD Projekt isn't going to put up on their own website... That they got reported for doing all this crunch, so you may only be exposed to the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, remember, it's... remember, No Man's Sky and the amount of marketing that went into that game, and what people on launch were even expecting the game, despite there were people who had done, you know, QA and stuff for it, who were trying to. I mean, they didn't have the the platform to be able to shout to the rooftops or whatever, but trying to just because there was so much hype around that game people trying to temper expectations that weren't even involved in making it just people who are testing it and saying like you know i've played this 
it's not going to be that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but it didn't matter, right? Because like that's what marketing does. Is it gets is that is has a much wider reach than any one person coming out and just like posting on a forum or <laughs> or doing one article with one uh, with one thing. The what was that guy's name? Murray something Murray. Or Murray something. Andy Murray. And I don't know. Yeah, not Andy Murray. <laughs> the Hello Games guy uh, was on Conan O'Brien. You know, like is on national late night television in the U.S. showing off showing off a video game. Yeah. In a segment, that's not that's not the same thing as as a little article being posted to a forum or or yeah. you know yeah, enthusiast GIBS. website. That's the thing that everyone sees. It's on TV. People who don't know what video games are see that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like... And then that becomes yeah, that becomes your thing. That's I mean, yeah, like No Man's Sky definitely felt a victim of its own hype in a lot of ways. It feels like they've managed to, like through time, have recovered that sort oh, of yeah, I mean, image, image and stuff. But it definitely felt like they were in that rock and a hard place of like, hey, we have this absolutely an unbelievable level of hype that we never thought we would get as a small indie title. But also, that is a sword that we're going to fall on when this comes out. And yeah. it's really just, I guess, the, a, a strength in marketing and how important goodwill. Because that game sold a ton for a, even not not even just saying for a an indie game, like for it, just for games in general. Yeah, in good. its first, you know, in its first month of release, and people realize not without people realizing what it is, just based off of marketing, you know. And it's just that that is the that is the strength of goodwill going into a game, going into a release, and importance of having that, and where why it might not be so bad, or might be a calculated decision, where people, where boards, directors, whatever, produce publishers, they know that they're crunching, but they say we don't crunch <laughs> because, and if people don't find out about that till later, or in some leak. That you know is if just an enthusiast websites. People, yeah, if they find out at all, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because you will have that goodwill and going the, there's into There's so much mental gymnastics involved there as well because you like undoubtedly there are going to be sort of malicious actors out there who are fully aware that uh, that like uh, the workers that they are executive directing um, are crunching and they're just fine with it. But then there's there's like so I I can only imagine the sheer scale of people there are in sort of executive positions in the games industry and in any industry really who are just they've they've convinced themselves that everything is fine that 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 nobody's crunching that oh that's just like that's not crunch that's just like that's just the way what work happens in this industry well I'm a good person. Like we're making good stuff here because like you've got to, you've got to rot your brain a certain degree to sort of, I, I imagine well, to, feel to okay the, about doing this, you know? Well, to have the um, contradiction of on the one hand being okay with crunch because that's what you want people to do to get your game made. But on one hand being aware that it's looked down upon enough that you have to say that crunch is bad and we're not doing it. The, to, to be able to have that dissonance in your brain requires, yes, either an, an astonishing level of self-deception or you're just really fine with being a complete selfish piece of shit, like <laughs> yeah. one or the other. One of the two, it's one of the two.
So let's go back in time and look at other instances where marketing has had to adapt to negative press or fan outrage. And this was the first thing that came to mind when I was outlining mm. this episode was uh, the now infamous horse armor DLC for the Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion. Um, and imagine if that's the worst that we had to deal with now. Imagine, <laughs> but like it's it's funny though because like so the like to to contextualize this because it was a very particular point in time. You just moved for the Xbox to the 360. 360's new. Xbox Live had been a thing in the Xbox, but the the, the way Xbox Live was in, integrated in the 360 was a big deal. This was everyone's going to play online now. Like it was a niche on Xbox and a niche on PC. This was it. This was like everyone's going to be playing Xbox Live. But what the other promise that came in with this was like on oh, new content for your games as it goes. So and you this didn't have to the, go down to Walmart to pick out the box to. Yeah, you can just well. This is when they started bandying around this phase downloadable content. Like uh, this was the first time hearing it and the first time use of it. And you know they had it on the back of the box. You know, um, I don't know if my, uh, Xbox games still have this feature, but in uh, 360 and original Xbox, they had that little feature list of like it's got this many players. It's got these Dolby sound. It's got this and then oh yeah 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 DLC. I don't know if they still have it. I imagine they do. Um and yeah, so downloadable content was this new thing, and this was I'm assuming there's possibly some other small bits and pieces, but this pretty much was the first bit of like DLC of this wave. Like there'd been map packs on Xbox the original for Halo Two. There was map packs for Call of Duty, but those were like map packs. That's how they marketed it. Downloadable content was this phrase that was new, and it got attached to horse armor, which was this purely cosmetic thing that they... It was this armor you could buy for your horse that had no game effect. It was just nice... Well, it wasn't even nice-looking armor. <laughs> and it cost... Now, if I remember rightly, it was 800 points, Microsoft points, which I think roughly... Do they still have points in Xbox? Jesus Christ. I have a, I have I a number in my head that feels like I remember it, like 299, but I... 800 points was like is more like six quid. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't have a, I don't have the figures. <laughs> but it was like I think it worked out at the time about six pounds eighty or something like mm-hmm. that. And so now the funny thing is, right at the time that was preposterous. Like people flipped their shit. It was like Bethesda were a laughing stock for ages, and they, they had to follow this up. Like they made a concerted effort after this to make everything they released, all the subsequent DLC, which are substantial, like even like legendary dlc people still talk about like shivering isles as yeah, yeah one of the yeah. one of the best one of the best expansion packs. but they DLC, had to start whatever. with this and this was this was met with such outrage and there's two things about this that i want to talk about because the first is yeah they pivoted to because uh, what they pivoted to a lot was the use of the term expansion pack they were mm. this was the word that they would use to sort of go oh this is substantial see this isn't just dlc this is an expansion they went back to that classic term um and you know to disassociate themselves with um dlc but the other thing is six pounds 80 for some or six quid whatever it worked out as for some horse armor it was fucking ridiculous at the time Total people play shit. that shit yeah. all the time for skins now yeah nobody bats an eyelid people and pay even, that money no problem and even you will find i mean i think that it's even like just an, an accepted thing now that if you're gonna have any kind of microtransactions in a game make them cosmetic <laughs> like uh because nobody no that doesn't have an effect on gameplay it's not that you have to buy something to miss out on 
on whatever and it's a justification that people say like oh yeah like even when defending a game oh it's just cosmetic dlc like it's (laughs) which which I hate because it it comes with this. I like I get where it comes from, but it does come with this implication that like aesthetics aren't important. Yeah, yeah. as yeah. if the the very idea that you would pay money for a cosmetic is exactly the reason that oh, it is important. God, imagine if like you know the yeah. Souls games, you had to you had to pay. Yeah, you pay for your <laughs> like like the the assumption the assumption is that um uh it's just aesthetic, so it doesn't affect the game. And video games are a genre in which the visuals are a significant element like like you play a, like the amount of games i've played because i'm like oh this looks cool the 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 clothes the, the 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 cool outfits these guys are wearing look cool the weapons look cool hmm. the environments look cool and have these really interesting aesthetic features that i find appealing and so like what what why 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 is why are because and also and also with the horse armor stuff like back then like it now we're like oh it's just cosmetic back then it was it's just cosmetic yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i i think that what probably had to do i think it d- did have a lot to do with that was the transition from people like if you were selling an extra an element to your game that was with the expectation that somebody was going to the store to spend twenty nine yeah. ninety nine. Well, that was the mindset you were in before that to, yeah. to get an expansion to your to your the video Halo game. Two multiplayer map packs got released as a disc. There mm. was a Halo. You oh, bought yeah. this little like retail thing that came with the map. Ghost Recon um, Two had a similar thing. So you, I even did you that. Where buying Halo these 3. things physically? Yeah, like, like uh, I remember yeah, buying. Of course, yeah. I, I remember buying. It was the map packs that. Um, that added the like the really thing. the mythic edition and it added like that massive forge map as well where you could make stuff in it and like that was huge and i remember like all of my mates in school going and kind of so, picking like, that up so they you know so yeah you're right like people there was a there was a mindset of like these are things that i'm physically playing for so the idea of something so frivolous like if, if you'd gone down to the store and bought our <laughs> server dlc yeah you'd be kicking yourself yeah. so what this really was was a long game of getting people to think differently in the mindset of like it's okay to chuck a few quid on this minor insignificant thing you don't know everything has to be substantial and then yeah, we end up with this thing where there is this d- diminishment of aesthetics that I hate because yeah. it because like you were saying, Astrid, because if you if a game looked like Arsh, right, if you stripped out all the the visual flavor of something and just had like gray blocks, nobody would play that. So the yeah. the idea that like aesthetics don't matter is ridiculous. Like no, that's so untrue. Like even and they don't affect the game is ridiculous because I was thinking about if you did a Call of Duty game that played the exact same in terms of mechanics and design and stuff but the only difference was it was water guns and there was no <laughs> gore and there was no bullets no one was dying people would not play that mm-hmm. the same people would not play that game because be those visual different... elements have such a profound impact yeah. on the way exactly. the game feels i think the only like the only thing where you could where it's harder to say uh or to to say that okay fine kind of thing is is in like multiplayer games that are first person where you never even actually see <laughs> see yourself but you can still get you can still get cosmetics right that you're just showing off to other people in a way yeah. which and like, even then though like like if i'm playing a game that's predominantly first person 
Uh, even if it's a single player game, I'm, I still want to know. I, I, I still know that I'm wearing. There's, yeah, yeah there's, there's I'm still just that, trying like, to. I'll walk past a mirror right? in the environment and I'll catch yeah. my like my sick fit and I'll be like pog and move on. Yeah. You know, like. That's <laughs> but it's even just it's just even a mental so exercise. So you do the though, you do right? the thing when you're walking by a window and catch like, yourself in the reflection mm, in video. Yeah, games exactly, as well. <laughs> exactly. And I need that's an import that's a that's an important part of the experience for but me. But you but you even just like build a mental image yeah, for yeah. in the game for yourself. I know what i look like in this game so even that stuff like factors in and i um i think it all it all matters i obviously i understand where it comes from because the 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 thing is like hey at least someone isn't playing to get a better gun that means they're always going to beat me in combat yeah i so I, I understand where it sort of comes from but i but i think it's given developers this free reign to just i mean when i look at the state of like loot boxes and paying for aesthetics and skins it is preposterous and i think about back to like like halo and stuff and you'd pay for map packs and but all the cosmetics were just in the game you mm -hmm. just got all the color and all the armor and stuff and I, and I miss it so much the idea of like i can just customize my character freely and it's not this thing that i need to like grind away at like i just hate it so the what i'm wondering now is what because, you know, we might not even have been aware of the kind of marketing, which maybe is just brute force marketing, but there is... It was definitely a long game. It's taken a yeah, long time. Yeah, and I don't know here. if it's just a brute force of, like, we're just putting these in every video game now until there's a there's a, there's a there's an acceptance of this as the norm. But has there been, or can you remember, like, examples of video games that marketed the kind of that marketed DLC and microtransactions. I mean, and that doesn't explicitly like that's not advertising. So that's think, not like we have we have microtransactions. I think in a low key and in, in an indirect way, yes. Because the the example, the thing, the obvious example that's like popularized a lot of these elements for for the last few years has been Overwatch. And I think Overwatch did not advertise obviously uh, skins and loot boxes, blah blah blah. But they did advertise the like the personality and aesthetics of their characters like they wanted people to be like get attached to them and therefore care about dressing them up so mm. it's like a sort of indirect way i think season passes development roadmaps mm. like like season a se this the season pass is an advertisement it's a proud advertisement of dlc of downloadable content of microtransactions yeah. Uh, and and maybe they're not. Maybe it's not explicitly like, yeah, this game's got microtransactions in it. But mm. you're advertising. You're like, look, guys, how exciting! You get to spend more money on this in three yeah. to six months. Yeah, games like, as a service type stuff. Yeah, kind for of sure. Just becoming part. And of, like, it a, is so it's so wild how normal because um, Red Dead Redemption, for instance, just um, had an update. They added crimes and stuff into the game. Red Dead Online <laughs> and the crimes. Uh, well, they've added like these crime missions. You could commit some crimes beforehand, but now you could have. You've got authored crimes you can do. But anyway, they. But part of this was a like they've brought back a sort of season pass thing, and I was thinking about they got praised for the fact that because before the season pass, the problem was so their in-game currency, gold bars, which is the paid-for currency. You get you pay for that, and if you 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 have to use that to buy the season pass. But the season pass didn't give you enough gold bars back, so you would still have to spend more money mm. on more gold bars to buy the next one. They get praised now because the new pass they've announced has um, enough, you get enough gold bars back from it. So you only have to pay for 25 gold bars 
And then you get 25 gold bars back, which means you can pay for the next season. You only have to buy one season pass theoretically. And as long as you grind away, you can get each season pass. And they were praised for this. And I was thinking, but they've still got you to pay for the first thing. Like, you know, they've still got the more money out of you after you've paid for the game. And if you got the game when they released the Reddit online separately, when they did that, it was released for £4. Like, if you paid that, you probably don't begrudge the idea of paying for some more content. But, like... If you've bought Red Dead Redemption 2 or whatever, it's like, how does the economies work out? Where you do, how do you feel your value? But it's not even a question now. People just, you don't blink. I don't blink. I'm incredibly reticent. I don't think I've ever bought a season pass in my life. Yeah. But I still, I don't even blink an eye at this stuff anymore because it's just so proliferated. Hi, my name is Astrid Johnson, and I have bought season passes. <laughs> I'm not judging anyone who's bought them, by the way. That's that's also no, no, not no, part no, of my no, game my, here. Sure. My brain is now flying just even like how now multiplayer element multiplayer aspects of video games of big video games have become a marketing tool in and of themselves while those are also typically the medium in which the the developer publishers will will inject microtransactions in dlc into the video game right i mean like there's yeah. rockstar has Caught tons of flack about gta 5 coming out in 2012 or 2013 13. something like that uh, and we have nothing to hear about G GTA 6. And obviously the reason for that is because GTA Online makes a billion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They make it like, I think the, so the year that they got the game onto new consoles, mm -hmm. um, the um, 2K, the publisher revealed that they got more money in the year, that year from the online segment than they did from all the sales of the game, but going back <laughs> to the original release. So the amount of money they're making on those like shark cards and yeah. stuff, the in-game currency is obscene. And it, the thing that gets me is how wild that is to me because you can't, because there's no distinction. There's no paid for currency versus like free currency like there is in Red Dead. You've got it's dollars dosh. and then you've got gold bars. And GTA, it's the same thing. You just pay for more cash. And what you can get with that money is just sort of very frivolous in a lot of ways i know that the event they eventually added in like bases and submarines and all this crazy stuff but at the time the best thing you could buy with all that money was like a gold jet <laughs> yeah. like that was it and to think that they were making more money on that than anything prior is like i think speaks to probably the you know like we taught we diminish aesthetics but i think we really need to stop doing that and say it's top cosmetic because we fall into a thing because GTA, if they made that much money from a game where the only thing you can pay to buy is cosmetics, that speaks to how compelling that is and how important Absolutely. it is to be able to be able to dress and express themselves. It's not frivolous. It's not nothing. It's not just cosmetic. We, you know, this is a line that I feel like we need to drop because that mm. because companies just take advantage of that and like, I mean, the, the the proportion of what you pay for what you get for your money in GTA Online is obscene. Like you, I, yeah. the the price of those shark cards is like disgusting like how expensive they are and it it, it makes me i'm thinking a lot about this right like this like you can also this, gamble this... by the way in gta online <laughs> gamble with real money basically <sighs> it's um like uh uh this idea that because because this is this is the thing right like um like microtransactions were introduced and then it became like the reassuring positive marketing tactic was, oh, but it's only cosmetic DLC. It's not going to affect mm -hmm. gameplay. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if either of you know about, uh, there's this little book uh, written by, I don't know, some old guy called uh, Manufacturing Consent, the Political Economy of the Mass Media, um, 
So Noam, it's Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky, <laughs> is everybody. It, um, is it, is it a Star Wars expanded universe? Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. That what it is. Yeah, fucking everything's that these days, isn't it? But um, uh, he, talk, uh, he talks in, in the book ab- about this idea of um, uh, wildly paraphrasing and simplifying just to make it fit within this conversation. But there's this idea where... Um, where uh, the the me- it, it it's about the media, but a lot of these ideas have been extrapolated and applied to capitalism on uh, on a larger scale. Right? It's this idea that you can be offered um, you can be offered two things, two choices, and one of the choices is deliberately bad and terrible, and it's the choice that you obviously don't want to go with. And the other choice is like that sucks too. It's also not good. You're not happy about it, but you'd rather that than the the obviously blatantly worse mm. one right oh, like american politics and, yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and <laughs> because but because you've been because it's a choice that you've been given because um uh, i guess uh, in the video games industry it would be like what game you buy right mm-hmm. um because well, you think a specific the... example i guess this is mm. the difference between like well, it could it could be it could affect game play it could affect gameplay and stuff. But don't worry, it's only cosmetic, which isn't great. But you know, like I'd rather yeah. pay for just the cosmetic than you know affecting Absolutely. the gameplay. So, and at that point, because you because you have in effect made the decision, you've chosen the the lesser of two evils. You feel more uh, that that idea becomes more normalized to you because you chose it. You chose yeah. it. You made a decision. You are you you um, believe you expressed agency in this scenario, uh, mm. and that's how they get you. And I think and the idea gonna... that obviously there's a third option, which is don't do either of these things and do something better and healthier. But it is not. That's escapes, never presented you know, to you yeah. as an option. Yeah, and, exactly. And just to like, you know, tie this back up with like with marketing. All of this stuff is still plays into how games are even marketed against dlc and marketing transact and uh microtransactions but still have them like Mm. uh i if you go on to the chivalry 2 subreddit now the top post of all time is something that's like uh this is what an honorable developer looks like uh and then it's the post it's a post of a screenshot in game where you can buy like a premium currency to unlock cosmetics and stuff and it's just a there's a little message from the developer that's just like you know please only buy this if you uh we want to offer this as just an opportunity for people to to uh to support us and support development of the game if you're having financial trouble you know please please don't buy this uh just like a message like this right, right? okay um and like that's fine like just being transparent about like yes we're offering this because uh we're a small studio and trying to and trying mm. to create the best thing we can do but it's still there, and that's still a marketing tactic. Like they still have microtransactions, right? Yeah, and they like, still have put this out there, which I'm not put uh, casting any aspersions on the torn banner. But, but it, like that could have been a manufactured statement, yeah, yeah, because yeah. now this is this is the top post on a on a on a forum that has a hundred thousand people who go and look at that at the top post and see like yeah, torn banner is an admirable, honorable st- <laughs> studio, yeah. Uh, which which may not have been there into you know this maybe not as cynical as that but it but it easily could be right yeah. like that's the, that's the thing and there's no real way to know um other than just trusting your gut i guess but especially um, when you look at like more blatant examples of where it has been used as this marketing tactic this idea of no transactions like we'll see we'll see instances where features 
uh, advertisers being absent had sort of stuck as an industry standard. Like, uh, like loot boxes were in everything a couple of years ago. Everyone fucking hated it. There were loads of government, reg- like government regulatory discussions about them. And then it became a marketing tactic. This game doesn't have loot boxes and we yeah. don't really see them a huge amount anymore with a few exceptions. But something like microtransactions, they're still around everywhere, but that doesn't stop people from using it as an advertising tactic. But what makes it so obvious as a pure sort of much an attempt to get people to buy the game based on this information is the fact that we've seen so many times developers will say oh no not not developers not developers not individual people publishers the people in charge of of promoting mm. the product uh, will say this game is not going to have any microtransactions you can get guarantee we're not going to try and sell <laughs> you anything else dollar. and then three months after the game comes out oh we we meant at launch we meant at launch yeah <laughs> like um like there's this uh like very recently uh in may um doom eternal uh had uh had a cosmetic uh skin pack dlc released uh, that you had to pay with real money, which directly counteracted the the claim uh, in the lead mm. up to release that there would be no microtransactions whatsoever. And that's like a it's a minor example. I think, um, it's not like what you were saying earlier about the inertia, like mm. of, they they like the the Doom Eternal. They they generated all the goodwill pre release mm. that they can just get away with releasing the thing after the fact. Mm. Um, I mean, to speak of the example of like both sides, I guess like the um, Capcom with Monster Hunter probably have this because they release a loads of frivolous tiny little things that you pay for real money for but they generate a lot of goodwill because they also release these like substantial free updates um and so like capcom like has engineered this balance where you're like well i'm getting this thing free so i feel good about buying this and i've bought some of the the small things and it, and it is like you know like it's interesting the way that they balance their visual their image so that microtransactions it's like what you were just saying about that they present you with two options and it's like as long as they can make it look like you're making the choice and you're making the agency you, they can make it work they can they can mm. get you around these things but I think that factors into this next one which actually I think got way more um, of a outcry at the time um, than maybe some of the stuff we talked about. Um, which was Mass Effect 3 when it came out because um, it had this phrase that I don't think you hear this phrase anymore even though it basically by all intents and purposes still exists it was day one DLC <sighs> and because Mass Effect 3 re- released with a there was a character, Javik, that you could only get if you'd pre-ordered the game um, if you happened to buy it on release or at later you did not have access to this character and that was like a huge controversy because on, I guess on like those things, it felt like people weren't making a ch- choice. They were just getting robbed out of this content. Yeah, and it absolutely. became this big rallying Especially, cry. Especially um, in retrospect, a lot of people, a lot of critics have talked about how uh, how sort of big a role that character plays in the plot of that game. It feels yeah. like a, a piece of content that is sort of crucial to the experience that you're missing for, out. For a lot of people, they're like, that's yeah. the best character in the game. So it's like, yeah, so it feels like the substantial thing that you've been deprived of. And so we will, yeah, people understandably get very upset about it. And and so for a while after that, you got developers being like, oh, no day one, no day, day one DLC. And any developer who did put in some, because I remember the, we've talked about this before in the show, about the controversy around Evolve, because they had some pre-order bonuses. And, stuff. and that's, the, that's the first time we found out the game existed is the, the, the day one <laughs> DLC you'd be getting. 
but like the best but the interesting thing about that they that sort of destroyed that game in a way like it, it cost them so much goodwill but so many games have this mm. and it's interesting to me about okay what i mean i don't know if it, we've just reached a point where it's normalized that they might have been fine if they were released today but it's like how where do you generate your goodwill that people would look at you know because like your average ubisoft game your average whatever comes with all this pre-order stuff mm-hmm. it's like it's a, actually hard to think of a of a triple a game or just even big release game double a de- game the demon souls remake yeah stuff, that right? doesn't have a pre-order bonus or some kind of or some kind of incentive mm. to put money down before you have the thing. Does Metroid Dread have some stuff on the offer? It probably does. Like you get <laughs> on the, the top. Of I, I, I mean, and, I, and I something. do remember Sam uh, when we were doing the Resident Evil Eight reflections. We were like, "Well, how do we uh, how do we get this this game to you?" Because we didn't weren't given codes, by the way. And you're like, "Oh, and just get it tomorrow." And I was like, "But Sam." You're gonna miss the pre-order bonus. So you like got like eleven thirty the day before the game came out to get on and buy the game. Which <laughs> which to be fair was was actually in a way the best choice because that tiny little toy that hung <laughs> in the end of my shotgun was the only thing that gave me joy in that entire game. <laughs> so in a way on, it was the... a very smart investment. On the topic of Mass Effect 3, though, uh, something I find really interesting, and I think it represents uh, another sort of trend in the what gets adopted and what doesn't get adopted as marketing tactics and sort of uh, monetization elements, right? Uh, do you remember? Do you remember online passes? Oh yeah, no, that's one. That's an interesting one because mm. that one did go away. It so went this was away a... immediately, but it represents. Uh, so yeah, sorry, you. you provided I was just going to say, time. so online passes. If you're not heard, back in the back in the day, um, 360 PS3 era, they would release games. A new game would come out, and it would come with an online pass, which is a little code you had to enter, and that allowed you to play the multiplayer. If you bought the game secondhand, you presumably wouldn't have that code. You wouldn't be able to play online. And this became basically this was the games industry's push to try and combat the secondhand market, with which they wanted rid of. But there. Now, it would be easy to presume that the reason this went away is because there was so much of a negative reaction, but I suspect the real reason is because we switched to digital releases so much that the second-hand market pretty much is dying anyway, mm. that they, they almost don't have to because you're buying through their like online clients, so you don't, they don't need yeah. to anymore. But in the brief moment where, um, in 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 that brief moment post online passes, I did notice uh, it becoming like a, a marketing tactic. I remember like the news coming out that uh, Mass Effect Three would no longer require it, and that was like this big, exciting, wonderful, nice thing that EA had done for all. The of gamers us. won. They got they got them to not put in an online pass. We won, everyone. I think that yeah. the... we'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> I think that the the conversation Football's and coming just, home. and. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> the ill will that surrounds like microtransactions and cosmetic DLC and all of that, even as accepted as it is in the in the gamer enthusiast, uh, you know zeitgeist, it's still something that is scoffed at and mm. and held with disdain. So much so, where if you are an indie developer, something that can get you the like the quote unquote easiest. Uh, like inertia and goodwill is saying as part of your like whatever post on forum or or self-marketed thing on twitter 
we're not going to be doing any any microtransactions <laughs> you know like there's no i'm no, just imagining no like some low like indie like narrative game that was you know there was never possibly any plans <laughs> for microtransactions they're just like don't worry guys no microtransactions yeah, but you see that you s- i i can remember seeing announcements on reddit or twitter or whatever of some mm-hmm. uh, or like a little showcase uh little gif or whatever of gameplay and uh and it yeah it looks like a game that would never have <laughs> that would never have it anyway <laughs> but they'll still say it Right, because yeah. it's a value statement. Imagine journey with microtransactions. <laughs> like you're paying money to get new scarves and shit. Yeah. And the interest, your... the the thing you said about uh, sort of like that sort of core gamer enthusiast uh, audience still sort of scoffing at this sort of stuff. It's not really effective scoffing though. It's more like it's like uh, it's like when sort of FPBE types on Twitter scoff at the conservatives. You know, like they're <laughs> like, oh God, oh it's so terrible. Oh, if only we were still in the European Union, and that's where <laughs> their critique ends. You know. Yeah. So I guess for this final segment, I think the thing that we, we've been talking about is the fact that none of these things the audiences hated so much have actually gone away. In spite of all the backlashes and the outcries and the petition.org, um, <laughs> there's just there's just nothing, none of these have meaningfully gone away. Like I, one that we touched on, Online Passes, I feel like went away for other reasons. And all the other stuff that is went with content microtransactions, day one DLC, skins, blah, 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 whatever. Those still all exist, 100%. Um, more so now than ever. Like, they're, they're only, they've only become more um, proliferated. So Games that entire existence revolves around microtransactions. Yeah. Um, so clearly all this stuff is still making them buttloads of money. And, and, and in that, guys, like, companies have no incentive to change. And I guess the thing for us is that, yeah, there's no serious consumer activism that goes along with all these outcries as there. It's always, we'll, we'll do a petition, we'll write a letter, we'll make a big bunch of noise, and they may, they may a company might react in the short term, but they're not going to get rid of, they're not going to scrap their business model at I, all. I, what's kind of depressing is that they're video gamers are a uh, are an uprisory bunch. And they, they love to get furious. Yeah, they love to get furious. And um, is there like you, if, you just if, wish it could be harnessed if for they, good? Right. Like, but it's even if that if that mentality of like you have to give us what we want or we review bomb your game so that nobody can will buy it. If that kind of mentality still can't harness change as consumer activism what can they do what can what can because like yeah. you're not going to get the, fucking this, hippies <laughs> like mm. to, to, to like, rally around um, something like two things there like like uh like one like it, it's really fascinating uh because like you do get a lot of instances where uh where like uh large swathes of people will review bomb games uh and often it's used maliciously uh, let's let's not uh, pretend it isn't. Um, but there seems to be this this air of respectability politics uh, uh, across the games industry, um, where um, a tactic like that, because it has been used in a malicious way in the past, um, when there are sort of suggestions that it might be used in in a sort of genuinely effective consumer activist way, 
um, it is seen as sort of toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's seen as uh, as harming the livelihoods. Of yeah, the, like, like oh, you just because you just because you have a problem with the game doesn't mean you should do that. It gets applied yeah. to all examples of whatever a game is doing. And I Absolutely. guess the, I guess the interesting thing with that is, the, I guess the thing that's interesting to me is the reason that we do not like review view bombing is because it works, right? Like it does fucking tank these games if it, if it's done effectively, it can really kill sales on us on a Absolutely. digital platform. So it works. Which is all the more reason that it's a tool that should be considered when appropriate. You know, if a game is, if a game company doesn't, you know, is putting its com- uh, its teams through crunch, it has no regard for their well being. Yeah, maybe you should review bomb it. Now, I know these things get complicated because you know the hearts and minds of the people that worked on the thing creatively get wrapped up in that. You know, if you put your heart and soul in a game and you do work crunch, and at the end of that, the game that you you did all the hard work for gets reviewed bombed, mm. that becomes this thing about you. But that's sort it's, of it's, the... It's, that's it's, how it's, they it's, work. It's, you know? it's being used as a shield it's an yeah. interesting, by, by these publishers. But, you, you know, you can draw that parallel to any kind of political activism of, you know, of within any, any means necessary type thing. Like, of when you... Any other kind of violent act or uprising or or uh or revolution or whatever there's always the the there's always the the ancillary like caught in the crossfire type right uh yeah. uh groups of people who um who well, I think it's who would be used as human shields by right but it, but it will yeah. yeah but like people who maybe have like well it would be the creative minds in a game right like who who now feel like they've been they weren't involved in the actual marketing of this game or whatever, like deciding that there was crunch. But now this thing that they spent three years of their life um, and maybe took some pride in is being shit on because of decisions of other people. Yeah. You could say that there are people like that caught up in other kinds of of, of political clashes, basically. For sure. um, and But we would still find that, I mean, with the, any means necessary, like there's a means to an end, right? Like there's a... To get to this thing, that's an acceptable sacrifice we have to make, and it's just I don't know, kind of interesting thinking about you know thinking about how that applies to consumer activism with video games, and and how that uh, just ties up, I guess. So yeah, so yeah, because like the, the, this is the thing, right? Because like it, it talking in a sort of larger geopolitical sense in terms of revolutions and in terms of like making big decisions like this and and the risks involved in. It having a negative impact on people caught in the crossfire, mm-hmm. um, like the 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 dichotomy is the alternative. It, all the, the alternative is is that we don't do that and nothing changes and yeah. things get worse. Yeah. And, and in politics, that means people will continue to die slowly and over time instead of uh, in, instead of in a short burst all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the conditions will worsen. And in video games, it's like like. I, I think of I think of the people that uh, that are um, recovering from gambling addictions who turns to video games as this as this pastime that they became involved in be- precisely because it wasn't going to the casino. Now mm. having to sort of uh, play like, FIFA, tr- like play FIFA, and, and 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 become exposed to these gambling mechanics in 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 what they turned to as an alternative Un- unregulated to that. i should Unreg- point out, like... unregulated because and because because there's that sort of there's that um because there's that degree of removal when you buy uh, an in-game currency it's not reg- it's it doesn't see the same regulation and i think about people like that and like 
I think about I think about uh, like in in discussions about games getting more expensive as well. Like like people who like play video games because it's the thing that they can afford to do and they don't make enough money to do anything else that requires like a hobby that requires more investment and games are getting more inaccessible for people uh and and like if we if we don't take harsh measures to try and mitigate that as people playing video games uh it's just gonna get worse games are gonna become even less accessible and they're gonna turn into this ridiculous middle class fantasy hobby yeah i mean that pretty much like i don't i think there's a the the knock on effect internally obviously is that conditions for workers get worse like mm, yes absolutely. like it sucks for it sucks in the short term that something they love is being trashed and blah but the long term thing is but if you don't fix it now then you're gonna go through you're gonna have to go through this condition of working in terrible conditions to make everything as opposed to being in a you know the ideal is to be in a comfortable position making something you love like that, why why shouldn't that be an ideal for production so but, the the question then is because ideally this uh this cultural movement or awareness of crunch and everything got to a point where developers publishers are using no crunch as a marketing tool and there's an ideal that okay they're telling the truth and yes that maybe there's things in the background but if there's at least that that mentality that it can be profitable for them to be able to market it like this to then not do crunch or try and mitigate crunch is this kind of marketing like the least <laughs> or the, the lesser, lesser evil? I, this is something we talked about this in a in a in a previous GHG show. The concern that um, a focus on just sort of uh, uh, just st like leaving it at no crunch and not sort of interrogating the idea further that um, that companies will begin to market uh, no crunch as a as a as a sort of benefit of their game. Uh, whilst not actually not doing crunch, but investing more resources into covering and hiding their crunch. crunch. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, even even if we give them the benefit of, even if we said, "Oh, this company genuinely did no crunch. It was mm -hmm. incredibly healthy work environment for their game." The problem that you run into for me is that you end up where you're looking for these wins rather than trying to pursue systemic change. Mm. You're what you're looking for is these individual examples that you can hold on. And go Tag see lines. these are the these are the these are the good guys mm. rather than trying to figure out how can we change the whole business so that it doesn't. It's not like this for anyone. Yeah, you know, like, and even simpler than that, it's not um, like like it's it's seen as this as this brave bold positive th this is the fucking baseline this yeah, should be don't expected. kill your employees this like... shouldn't be celebrated oh how brave of you for for letting for letting bob in the art department <laughs> see his family at the weekend you yes know? like yeah. you, you know you're absolutely right like it's so it's so astonishing that they've managed to shift the discussion the line so far that just getting them to respect workers rights is mm. the win instead of like you know the long-term goal of hey maybe we shouldn't just exploit people's labor endlessly to market things for billionaires and CEOs. You know, like the, the so long-term goals are so far away. Or whatever the fuck they want to do next week, you know. Yeah, like, I guess what I'm like where the thought process is that we live we live in a society. <laughs> we live in this in this capitalist we, we society. Need a, we need a button for it, right? <laughs> yeah. just uh, uh, and, on screen. And there's we'll always be subject to marketing. And I, I guess I, I haven't done the research into, you know, the before and after, like the, the, the green movement where 
there was a there was a cultural change uh sea change or whatever where people wanted to see companies be more uh ecologically responsible right and so there was a whole wave of of marketing and and action towards more environmental friendly practices now there's been a lot of you know things that were just hidden then and companies just uh companies just doing this thing so that they could say they were green while doing this other stuff but it would be they still came to this conclusion because companies are fiduciary responsible to make a profit where they saw that it was more profitable to do this thing that costs money because they could make more money by being able to market that they were a green company right yeah and yeah the in an ideal world that means that's great that's that's consumer activism putting for a green uh, a, a more environmentally responsible future but uh, but it can, only, <laughs> it can only ever it can only ever go so far because if the if the ultimate thing is they're chasing profits there there's always going to reach a thing yeah. where they're not because the thing with the thing with the, to use the green stuff as a as an because it's a great there example is a, there is a black curtain that is hiding a whole bunch well even of... even the stuff that they're doing like um the, the thing that companies have made a big noise song and dance about is um 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 carbon offset yeah um they've made a big deal about this we're planting trees for every plane that flies blah 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 <laughs> and it's and I know and if you've researched any of it at all you know that it's a preposterous notion carbon offset doesn't exist it just isn't how that's not how that works you don't need to fucking bother using a cozier guys come on don't 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 <laughs> worry about it it's not going to do anything and it's worse than google so just give up on that <laughs> but like the thing so the thing with that like is um with like carbon offset is it's this thing where it doesn't work. It gives the impression that it's something, but it ultimately is nothing. And it's a way of trying to spend your way out of the problem. That's yeah. the thing. It's weighing costs. When actually the real solution is you need to stop flying planes so much. You need to stop <laughs> using cars all the time. It's all these yeah. industrial efforts. So when it comes to games, it's like the thing that they won't stop doing is making their comp their employees work really hard because that's the way that their games get made when they're chasing the profits that they yeah. are. Yeah. And it's, the thing they won't sacrifice fucking, is the profits. It's just fucking depressing because it feels like it feels like it's the thing that we just have to accept. Because if like I said if there's, That's what they if want there's, you to think, Alex. No, they I want you to think. I, I, I'm being, I'm being like torn down to, to this. Like, what I would say to this, right, uh, uh, is like the thing about this is that, like, it's not, it's not bad that we've gotten to the point where, uh, where uh, publishers are using crunch, no crunch, as a, as an advertising tool, as a, as a marketing tactic. Um, it's a start, though. It's a start. It is yeah. ground zero of what we need to be doing. And the thing is. Uh, we see this a lot. We see we saw this a lot in the green movement when the European Union banned single-use plastic straws. McDonald's made a big song and dance about switching to this really grand, uh, this really grand paper cardboard straw that we're now going to use. It's amazing, wonderful, fantastic. The thing is, the problem with the straws wasn't that they were being used; is that they weren't being disposed of properly. They were being disposed of in a cheap way. They weren't being sent to recycling plants. Plastic straws, especially the ones that uh, McDonald's used to use, are biodegradable. Um, they can be recycled. It's just that no effort was being made to, to do that. And in fact, the, the paper straws that you can now get at McDonald's aren't biodegradable. 
they are harder to recycle than the plastic straws. But because it's a paper straw and because it fits with the, the sort of aesthetic posturing uh, idea of of, mm. of being green, of being eco-friendly, they, yeah. they use it as the marketing tactic. And the problem is we we... We shouldn't trust corporations. Corporations aren't our friends. Uh, when they come out and say these things, we're like, okay, good. And we should hold them accountable. And we should continue, like, investigative, investigative journalists should continue to do the important work that they do to unroot uh, work, like, workplace abuses when they happen. And we should persist and we should keep applying pressure because if we if we do if we perform activism and stop when the the, the the corporation we're protesting against says that they will do better um they're gonna wait a bit and then not bother yeah the, the you need to the pressure is something for the change we always talk about this glass house it's always part of a bigger wider societal shift and games is a very small part of it but it's but it's a great microcosm of kind of flexing your activism and using it and the kind of pressures that you can apply and it's all about maintaining that pressure like you're saying astrid it's it's not mm. something that you give up like don't you know we've talked about the fact that the goal has been shifted to don't crunch when the goal actually should be way more workers rights way better pay stop giving billionaires all the money stop you know like these yeah. big changes these big shifts in how businesses conduct themselves how society conducts itself. Those are the big goals, and we should. Those are the ones we should always find. Which means the pressure never lets up. Do you know what I mean? Like when we yeah. when we get no crunch, it's like great. Step one, keep going. You know, and, and that's building that momentum right? is hard. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to build the momentum. It's very difficult. It's difficult to 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 dedicate the energy to 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 being a part in that pressure yeah. that is being applied. It's exhausting because we we exist in a world where every aspect of our lives is it, it is in effect made to be as exhausting as possible so that we don't have this power we don't have the energy to to do these things mm -hmm. um but um like if you can if you feel like you can manage it if you if you if you really really care quite strongly about this then then try try your best try your best to keep applying pressure to keep uh holding people accountable and i i i want to uh i want to say like we shouldn't get caught up on notions of like voting with your wallet, right? Not buying a game isn't really necessarily going to do anything because we, we've talked about this in other episodes. We that, talked yeah, about consumer this in activism episodes. is complicated and there's many pitfalls with it. Um, but the, but there's definitely other ways, um, direct and indirect to, mm. I mean, we, we, we brought up tools that gamers have used maliciously, like, um, you know, review bombing and stuff. There are these things that exist that allow you to communicate and put pressure on, on publishers. It's more it's just about applying that pressure in the right places. Yeah, it's um, like um it's like protesting as a tool is used by some atrocious people as uh, uh, anyone who's been uh, up to date on uh, on news in the United Kingdom knows. Like there have been some uh, quite uh, scary and 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 um, prolific uh, anti-mask protests in London, uh, in other places yeah. in the country, but protest as a tool, it, it's like it, it is. It's like it, it's like um, it's, it's like neutral. violence is a political tool. It's neutral, and it 
hinges entirely on how you apply it and you can it's it, it is a tool it is a tool in a toolbox and tools can you can build like a you can build a shit house with a hammer but you can build a nice bird bird box the, the, the metaphor i was i thought you were gonna go for is like you can build a nice house or you can bludgeon someone to death and then like yeah yeah, but like, I says, the I fact think that, that says can, something oh, about my I, mind. The fact said. that you, the <laughs> fact that you could bludgeon someone to death with the hammer doesn't mean that the hammer is an inherently negative thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, these tools are multi-purpose. They have a lot of applications, and it's just important to be morally responsible about how you use these things and figure out where to where to apply them and. I don't say I'm not, and I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that review bombing is definitely the way to get results. <laughs> I'm just saying that it is it's one example where you've seen it used maliciously in a way that mm. works that does make you wonder. Well, hold on, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of things like that, and I think it's worth. And we should explore these the ideas. We, we should can. think about. We yeah. Should, yeah, we should think about all these different ways. Um, yeah, uh, like not by like voting with your wallet doesn't work because we li we we don't live in the free market that everyone sort of like that all of the the right wing sort of assumes that we do or insists that we do we don't live in a world where um where putting your money where your mouth is actually uh, I, I mean like i think it can have an effect but it does but the thing is you're not necessarily in control of the effect it has and that because that becomes one of the pitfalls because it's like mm. if you don't if nobody buys a game the reason that the develop the reason developers or publishers take for the lesson they take from that may not be the one that you intended Mm -hmm. They yeah. may assume, oh, well, the reason this one bombed is because it was the female protagonist, right? So we just won't do that again. The crunch we did was fine, you know, and there's no yeah. there's no way of like, it's very difficult to direct, be yeah. very clear. Especially in this kind of environment where they have a million examples to point to where microtransactions are extremely profitable. Yeah. And so like one game gathering enough anti-hype around their microtransactions to not succeed because enough people didn't buy it. I mean, it. as we've seen, like we saw game, we saw it tank games like Evolve and stuff, but they're still here. All that stuff <laughs> yeah. still exists. I mean, you if know? anything, you might think that, oh, we actually just weren't explicit enough with our microtransactions. We tried to hide too much of it behind the facade of a single player experience kind of game or whatever. We like, should just be more thing. We should just be more upfront, have it mobile only, be a gotcha style, <laughs> like, and just because that works and we can make money. Uh, doing that, uh, and that's what they could learn from yeah. just not buying. So you don't have that control. So it's yeah, it's trying to find ways where not only are your methods effective, but they are uh, can be part of communication where it's very clear what your goals are. It's not easy. All this stuff is not easy. It's why these things didn't change. But I think what you mentioned earlier is the thing that is potentially there. There's potential there in terms of how like in a frenzy audiences and games sometimes get around stuff that there is this huge widespread backlashes around things sometimes things that are frivolous or things that they should not be getting outraged about but the fact that there is that collective reaction speaks to a possibility for what could be done in terms of if you've got that many people that are that angry about something and they all put their minds to it think of what they could do you know they could be a force for good like I think it's worth it's something it's worth thinking about in terms of how to meaningfully get change because we've had the outcry we've had the petitions we've had the change.orgs and all this stuff is still here in fact it's more widespread than ever so yeah what you know they just it just gets co-opted into marketing they just what they find what they figure out is the things they can and can't say they don't change the actual business practice 
the words and terms change, but the you know the product is the same ultimately. Mm. Um, Don't so... trust corporations and uh, appropriate the immortal science of review bombing. I think uh, <laughs> that that was the lesson today. <laughs> well done, class. Dismissed. Um, and if you if you if you enjoyed our little discussion, if you feel invigorated, if you want to take action, then you can start by liking and subscribing. Reverse review bomb. Reve- yes, yeah, you know, review, review, flight uh, us, <laughs> review, launch us. I don't know. Um, like and subscribe, and or share, share with if you have, if you share with your grandmother yet. If you haven't, you really should. I keep saying it every week. Get, get, your I nan want, wants I want, to know. Uh, your nan wants to know about. Uh, your nan wants to know about the yeah. She wants to know about crunch culture and we marketing need and to permeate games. the Facebook talk to, grandmother. Talk to your nan about market. crunch culture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's the real call to action. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you have thoughts you'd like to share with us, feel free to email us at community at glasshouse.games um, or even just respond, comment below our video or on a podcast application or add us on Twitter um, at GHG Show. Um, and uh, if you really enjoy our stuff and you want to support us, um, you can find a link to our Patreon below. Um, and not only do you get to support our work, but there's also a lot of exclusive content that um, for our patrons. There is streams that are exclusive to them. We get content that goes out early for all our patrons. Um, you get to look at um, shows like Persuasion Check. Um, we've got one on Resident Evil at the moment. Um, I'm Very trying. We we get some extra percent to try and persuade Astrid. Um, to play Specifically to get into Resident Evil, <laughs> and you can go and sign up and see if we succeed. It's I think it's one of our best persuasion checks. I really really yeah, enjoyed that yeah. one. Um, They're all good though. You should watch all of them, and you should like all of them and share all of them. <laughs> That's your tell. Um, and for those that have supported us on Patreon so far, thank you so much. Honestly, doing the streams and getting to chat to you and know you is honestly a joy. Um, and it's great having your support. So thank you so much. Um, I also want to thank um, Astrid and Alex for joining me today. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Samantha. Pleasure as always. You're welcome. You're so <laughs> welcome. Um, and thanks to Dancy Parks for the music. I'm Samantha, and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.